Welcome, everybody, to the Two Fun Guys podcast. I am your host, Tony Haddad. I'm Brent Ruska. And thank you all for coming. We have a very exciting guest for you all. We have Dr. Tara joining us in the studio virtually today. She is the tenured professor at California State University for sexual communication and has her own really incredible podcast called Love Bites. And uh, I'm sure she'll be, she'll be able to plug that later in the podcast as well. So thank you, Tara, so much for coming. We're happy you're here. Hi, Tony. Hi, Brent. How are we doing? Are you guys having an orgasmic day? Multiple. It's about to Ooh. get super or- orgasmic right yeah. now. Hopefully this podcast really sets us over the edge. That's what I'm hoping for. Yeah. Wait, wait a minute. Is this episode kind of like audio porn? It could I'd, be. We can do a- I didn't get the memo. We can do ASMR for our listeners. <laughs> like, mm. <laughs> so, Dr. Do- so, Tara, Jinx, Jinx, you owe oh, me an you orgasm. You guys are so cute. He owes me an orgasm now. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what you teach? I think that's what we're, re- what we're really curious about. Yeah, like I if like, we were going to join your classroom, what would we learn? If we audited your class at CSU, what can we oh expect the curriculum to be? I can't wait for you guys to come audit my class because I think it's super fun and it's always really interesting when people outside of our school like sit in class and learn because they they just couldn't believe the things that I say in class and I said yeah it's I mean it's all for sex positivity if I censor myself um, then what does that mean when I teach my students? So I teach sexual communication and in a regular semester, we have what, 16 weeks minus out like midterms, finals, quizzes, we have about 12 weeks of learning, right? So each week I teach my students theories, research concepts relating to sexuality. And we start from the very beginning. So terms, definitions from very, very basics like gender, sexual orientation, sexist, biological sex. Like what are the differences in these things? What are the different terms for genders nowadays? What are the what's what does research tell us about different genders and and personal experiences when it comes to um, their sexual debut? And then we go into the first thing is sexual debut. And that is an academic term, a better term, I would say, for losing your virginity. Mm. Um, now, when was you guys' sexual debut? Sexual debut. I was I was a, a late-ish bloomer. I was 19. And it was not nice. good. You? Mine it was, was not good. Was I love that you immediately evaluated <laughs> no, it. Was it was horrendous. Terrible. Mine was, uh, I, I took Japanese in high school and I kept flirting with the TA. She was from Japan. She was a couple years older than me. And that summer... Uh, my senior year, I I got lucky. Um, that was the most vague answer I've ever received. Wait, wait, wait is that what I was supposed to say? How was it? <laughs> um, how old were you? Oh, how old were I? Uh, I was seventeen, I think. Okay, so seventeen, nineteen, uh, about average. So in the United States, the average age of sexual debut, which is the first sexual encounter is 17 years old. So um, that's what I teach, right? Like research and statistics and about like sexual behavior. So start from the beginning, like terms, definitions, we go into like sexual debut, talking about like different ways people view the word virginity, right? There's research that shows like people view virginities in different ways. Like, do you view it as a gift? Do you view it as a process? Do you view it as a stigma? Um, So we talk about that and we debate about those things. I always welcome my students to say whatever they want, whenever they want. It's a very different college class than any other classes that I've been a part of as a student. And I teach because I also teach statistics, like quantitative research methods. And that's a very different class from my sex class. So this class, I allow like any person to say anything at any time. And if they disagree, I also welcome their opinion when they disagree, which I always find it really fruitful when someone like disagrees because I can get their ass handed to them. Because- <laughs> <laughs> what was what was a recent ass handing you can talk about? Um or just someone you you know on the street that someone comes yeah, at you. Yeah, I was you gonna it. say Yeah, probably don't want to out people and about, yeah. Because I'm on sabbatical. Um so I haven't taught for a while. 
um, I actually apply for sabbatical and I got a one year sabbatical. So it's like paid leave and I'm mm-hmm. off for a year to like go film the TV show and like do other things. But I would say the last thing was probably, let me see. Mm. Um, a celebrity that I coach said that, you know, I want to find a good girl, you know, like someone who's like pretty and sexy, but also like a good girl. I want, I don't want someone who like, oh, I'm going to go to Ibiza with my girlfriends and get fucked up. I want like someone that wants to like stay home and hang out and cuddle. And I said, oh, okay. Like, why is that? And then he said, um, well, if, those girls that want to go to like Ibiza and party, it just means that they want to like, they're interested in other people and they want to go fuck other girls. And I said, okay, do you go to Ibiza with the guys? And he's like, hell yeah. Like, you know, and I said, okay, do you fuck other people? Even if you're in a relationship when you go to Ibiza, he's like, no. And I said, well, why would your girlfriend go fuck other guys when she's at Ibiza? He's like, well, it's different, you know? And I'm like, oh, that sounds like uh, trauma wounds to me. And we should talk about that. Interesting. Yeah. So then what's the first step? Like if you're coaching this person, are you following like sort of like a shadow work type of path to get to like a core wounding and then help resolve that? Or like, I, I'm curious how your method is for helping a client in that. Mm, okay. Should I like finish up the curriculum first and then we go to like the client or do you want to go through the client right now? Yeah, finish the curriculum. I'm just, you're so okay. exciting. There's so many topics I want to cover. Finish the curriculum. Yeah, we'll get to that yeah, stuff. of course. And also like, I'm so excited to be here and two fun guys, like who wouldn't want to be a part of a, you know, a little fun threesome. Exactly. Um, <laughs> two fun guys and a fun girl. Oh, Exactly. Um, so yeah, that sexual debut, and then it goes into like communication before sex. So like flirtatious communication, flirting theory. Um, we talk about like research in the types of flirting style that has been effective Mm -hmm. types of flirting style that hasn't been effective. Now, can you guess what type of flirting style and you don't have to have a specific term, but just kind of describe it. What type of flirting style has been the least effective? flirting styles i would i mean if i was going to say what was most popular but like when you're a kid is teasing seems to work pretty well like when you're like elementary school and you're trying to flirt with a girl you like tease her and she like pushes you and she runs away yeah adults still kind of do that just not, yeah yeah. Not and as blatantly. Def- yeah and a little bit different you give them shit yeah i guess i don't know what the different types of flirting styles are can this be a multiple choice question <laughs> yeah i mean that we, we didn't <laughs> well, do too well in school what do you think like let's say guys you guys are guys right <laughs> what do you think what do you think guys do that's like f- trying to flirt but extremely ineffective like peacocking um Trying to demonstrate some kind of value, the dentist system. Mansplaining. Mansplaining. Yeah. Well, there's, I guess there's something to mansplaining where men like to communicate via sharing information. It but gets it, misconstrued as mansplaining. But, but effectiveness. We're talking about effectiveness. Effectiveness. Right? Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. I think you need to enlighten us. We're lost. Yeah. Like the bottom two methods that have been like ineffective over time, like time and time again, is basically. Like kind of like what you said, peacocking, but like um, coming on too strong is right. one. Overly aggressive. And then the second one is pickup lines. Oh. Mm-hmm. I didn't know people were still using pickup lines. <laughs> I thought that was you a dying think, breed. Right? <laughs> uh, yeah, we know, we know now that these things are like is perceived as mm-hmm. disingenuine and they're not effective. So these are like the things I teach in class, right? So like go into communication before sex so like everything that happens before sex Mm -hmm. in terms of like courtship and dating and then we go into like why would someone want to have sex on the first date and why would someone not want to have sex on the first date Mm -hmm. um do you guys have sex on the first date depends on the person um i tried not to but i guess why why do you try not to not that there's any like taboo or stigma about it but i Personally, I like to get to, I like to just know someone a little bit more. I like to get to know you a little more intellectually, but that being said, it's not a hard boundary for me. It's not a hard line. So I do want to be in the moment with this person. And a lot of it comes down to, I don't know if you teach this in your classes as well, but, um, they're called like safer sex conversations. 
So there's different acronyms like RBDSM or SPREAD and things like that. Is that part of the curriculum too? Mm-hmm. Cool. What about you, Brent? I don't know. This, so this is a question for you to avoid the question. Are you deflecting? No <laughs> deflecting. Don't let him deflect. Brent, I'll answer the question. do you have sex on the first date or not? <laughs> uh, Maybe. Sometimes. Okay. Yeah, sometimes. It's a hard maybe. Yeah, it's a hard maybe. Hmm. How about this? How about, let me reframe the question. Let's say the date goes really well. You really like each other. Do you, A, choose to have sex on a later date because emotional connection needs to be built more? Or B, let's fuck first. So... I know what's up. That's a better question. Yeah. Because before it was too vague. I didn't have yeah. context. If the date went really well, we're really connected. Mm-hmm. Sure. I'm open to it. If we're both open to it and we've had the conversation, we're like, yeah, we're both into that. Cool. I would pick A. Yeah. Okay. So you're going to wait. Yeah. I'm going to wait. Okay. So that's what I teach in class is there's uh, two like running theories when it comes to sex on a first date. Um, and it's like a to model and it depends on which one you subscribe to and there's no right or wrong answer like the first one is sexual restraint model um when you subscribe to this philosophy for you emotional connection and intimacy comes first so you don't want to basically dilute that like human connection with you know, sex and what happens during sex. So you're going to wait. Even if that first date went really well, you're going to wait. You're going to wait to see if you can build a a stronger emotional connection with the person before you initiate sex. And that's just um, a restraint model. And then there's sexual compatibility model where sexual being sexually compatible is like number one reason for you to like get with someone or date someone long-term or you just basically prioritize sex so much more than other aspects then you're more likely to want to pursue having sex first when you start dating someone or going on a date like so sex on a first date is a norm for this Mm -hmm. kind of person so that's why like there's no right or wrong answer when i whenever i see a debate like a gender debate Mm -hmm. between oh men always want sex like women don't i'm like i disagree I have sex on a first date almost all the time because for me, I must know first if your dick and my vagina can get along. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's my smart. first priority. And, uh, you know, the emotional connection to me comes after uh, because that's just the way I, that's how I subscribe to things. Like that's how I live this life. So it's just, it depends. Yeah. I think, I think there's a lot of truth to that. And I, I subscribe to that model as well. I think that when I'm on a date with somebody, if it's going well and we've connected on like the different levels, this, the sex is like that final level that shows how compatible we're going to be. And so on that first date, sometimes with somebody, you can hit all of those levels. And the last one that needs to be completed is, are we sexually compatible? Is your dick and my pussy, are we going to be friends down there? <laughs> but sometimes you haven't hit those levels yet on that first date, mm-hmm. at least in my opinion. So like, I want to check the other boxes before that point. Mm-hmm. And that might warrant date number two so it's very dependent on the person if you vibe super well cool yeah let's go Mm -hmm. straight to sex i'm fine with that because i know that these boxes have been checked so to me the time isn't important the amount of time it's have we checked these boxes Mm -hmm. it's like sex is the boss level like you gotta collect experience yeah it's the thanos glove and you need the final ring (laughs) uh yeah that's interesting you know whenever i talk to women um in a college class i often ask them about this thing and they usually have a hypothesis like oh you know if you give yourself up too fast then uh, um you'll be perceived as easy and quote unquote not a wifey material and i often explain basically how that wifey material idea came about and um, how misogynistic it is and how one-dimensional it is. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of times, guys that I talk to will say, oh, I want a wifey material, someone who hasn't had a lot of sex. But then after you get married, you immediately want your wife to be super kinky, open (laughs) to threesomes, try different things, 69, eat my ass, like all these things combined. But yet this is the girl that you were like, oh, she's so innocent and I want to marry her. She had sex with one person before this. And how 
would you have the experience, mm -hmm. the competence, the confidence to like even try those things to, to begin with? So yeah. that's kind of a, a discussion. You're right. I mean, you can't have the best of both worlds. And I think porn gives that to men a lot where it's like this new fresh woman is the image, but then she's a she's like total freak in the bed. Like that's mm -hmm. only going to happen in porn. I always, when we see these clips all the time, you know, it's talking about, oh, women's body count. I just think it's so, in my mind, I'd always be like, Tony, it's so, so stupid. We always talk about this. Like, I don't want to meet a chick who's not done anything. Also, I've never had the thought of like, oh, let's ask how many she's been with. And that's going <laughs> to determine, it's like, it's like, how many donuts have you eaten in your life? Oh God, she's eating 400 donuts. Like, there's no way I could be with this woman. It's so stupid. Also, I'd rather be with a girl who's experienced you know, in, mm -hmm. in some ways. Mm -hmm. So the sex is going to be way better if she knows what she's doing. hundred percent. Yeah. Period. So yeah. yeah, that's uh okay. Now let's move on to on the curriculum. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Chuck take a little, yeah. Chuck take a little breaks from <laughs> curriculum. Take a little tangent. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 Of course. It's fun. Um, and then we go into like communication during sex. So like dirty talk. Mm -hmm. I teach, you know, the concept of dirty talk, research, um, the different types of dirty talk. I also have my students practice in class. So every student that has gone through my class, I would say, is quite sexually competent because I teach them not only the concepts, but like how to voice your likes and dislikes, your mm -hmm. pleasure, your your um, opinion, but also like dirty talk, like say this right now in class. And so, you know, they get a little shy because it's classmates, right? Yeah. Not a lover. But I told Yet. them, it, this is a practice. Like if you can do this now, you can do this in bed with a, with one person. So it's always fun. I love and that. Then Your we class go into, sounds so exciting. Isn't it? Um, and then we go into sex communication after sex. So pillow, pillow talk. And then we talk about chemicals like hormones that are released um, or increased after an orgasm. And then we go into culture. So how like there are different cultural ideas around sex, sexuality. We go into uh, technology which is really fun to talk about, like sex robots and the idea of like what is sex like in the future. Mm -hmm. And then we end with sexual wellness throughout your lifetime. So we talk about aging and sex and how do you keep sexual uh, wellness and well-being throughout your lifetime. So yeah, that's the class. What are the final questions like? Oh, the uh, final exam? Yeah. Is there an oral exam? <laughs> um pretty sure it's illegal <laughs> but um no <laughs> i do have a ta that uh, grades the finals um let me ask uh them if they're down for oral exam <laughs> but uh but uh so there's it's multiple it's undergrad it's an undergrad class so okay. like final exam is multiple choice um, so it can be anything from like, what does, you know, D in BDSM stand for? Dominance. Yes. What does, uh, <laughs> um, where does, okay, well, this is not going to be A, B, C, D, but maybe you can answer. Where does uh, sad the word sadism come from? Uh, that's a hard one. That's a good one. S not Satan. Saint Nick, sadness, sadness. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where does sadism come from. Uh, sadism come from uh, a French nobleman, Marquis de Sade. Um, S A D E. His mm. last name is Sade. Is spelled as Sade, but it's pronounced in French as Marquis de Sade. And he was a nobleman, also like writer, author, known for these like, you know, pretty crazy sex ideas that we come to know as like sadism and being like sadistic or being a sadist. Um, so, yeah, questions like that. Like, which of the following uh, is considered an AI sex robot? <laughs> and, you know, like, A, a robot that, you know, can um, give a blowjob at one, like having one function. Like B, uh, a robot that can have a physical response of like creaming up when orgasm. C, a robot that 
learns your thrust and therefore can um, squeeze and unsqueeze the vaginal canal based on the type of thrust that you do. Wait, are there robots like that? <laughs> yeah, Brent would like a link to these robots. Do you have an affiliate link? <laughs> a, B, or C? Which one is an AI sex robot? I want to say C. I'll go with C too. Also, you guys are A students, man. You haven't been to my class, but I can tell that you're sexually we're, competent. We're coming. <laughs> and then we're going to arrive yeah. at your class. <laughs> okay, next semester. All right, perfect. Yeah, we're in. So, yeah, do you go into like polyamory, open relating, and like all these different types of connecting as well in your class? Yeah, so that will be like a part of like the middle of the semester where we talk about the culture and the idea of like monogamy and um that one type of relationship but also like marriage where it comes from um why it's beneficial or not beneficial uh so we talk about all of those concepts in relations to culture and why we believe the way we believe and what what do we know now objectively to to work and not work and then people can make their own decisions like i never do here's my advice, do this, mm -hmm. right? Like rather just like, here are the things, like think for yourself. Well, let's forget the not giving people advice for a second. What's your take on marriage? Um, this is my take, works for some people, mm -hmm. um, doesn't work for some people. My take is it is hard to view um, sexual monogamy as attached to how successful a marriage is. To me, a successful marriage doesn't include sexual monogamy. So a successful marriage is where two people work together as partners to have the most fulfilling life possible um, and to raise children if you choose to have children uh, the best way you can. So that's are you having a fulfilling life? Like, that would be my question. Well, then, you know, your marriage is good. Um, if you're not having a fulfilling life, is it you or is it the marriage? Right. So, Because to me, when you attach sexual monogamy, which is a completely separate thing mm -hmm. to marriage, then it becomes, oh, now I'm obligated to compromise my own sexual exploration as an individual to the fact that I now want to do life with this person. So that's my opinion. That's why we're in a monogamish relationship. And um, the lucky thing about my life is, I think, because I found someone that subscribed to the same philosophy. I think it's hard. And that's a lot of the clients I work with. I think it's hard when you're already married and two people have very different philosophies when it comes to marriage and relationship mm -hmm. how did you come to be able to just embody and live in this way you know uh, how did you get on this path of being you know so sexually you know curious and open and and being able to speak so freely yeah um how did you become a personal trainer well i was a overweight, fat, emotional eating kid in junior high. And then I got in shape and then I decided I didn't want to do what high school was teaching me. And I figured, well, if I could help people get in shape and feel good and not sit behind a desk, that's what I would do. Exactly the same journey. Um, I was sexually dissatisfied, often misunderstood. Um, a lot of times feel ashamed of my, um, extreme sexual exploration tendency, um, thinking what's wrong with me. Why can't I just be a normal woman, wife, um, be a good girl? Uh, and then, you know, not from school, uh, but from personal experience and also reading these like alternative sex ed books, uh, I learned that my desires are very quote unquote normal. Um, th and that lots of people have my desires. They just don't talk about it. Mm -hmm. Then I went on this journey of helping people um, feel more comfortable about their own sexuality and, you know, being a person in their own relationship. And the more I do it, the more I feel confident. At the beginning, when I 
decided that I wanted to embark on this journey of because I'm I'm not like just a college professor, right? Like I I have a social media following and you know, I make a lot of content on a daily basis like positive positive sex education and um I'm also I'm also on TV and there's you know, a huge OK magazine article that says Dr. Tara lets husbands sleep with other people. Like <laughs> you know, like I live very openly and I think um, to be able to get here, it just takes experience. Like back 10 years ago, I wasn't this person. But the more I do it and the more I educate myself, the more I talk to people who don't live traditional lives, mm. I realize like, wow, there are other ways to live your life where you can, in fact, have it all. And have a very fulfilling relationship, a very fulfilling sex life, a very fulfilling career. And, you know, to me, sexual powers have like unlocked everything in my life. All of my career success comes from the fact that I embrace my sexuality. And it's just been like such a fun ride. A fun ride. <laughs> why, do, why do you think? Just the way I like it. <laughs> See what you did there. Why do you think sexual energy is so, so, and I, I believe the same, so connected to creating the life you want? Mm, that's a really good question. That's so deep. Just the way I like it. <laughs> um, you know, for me, um, it's a mixture of personal experience and like almost like a spiritual belief, <laughs> which is something that wasn't me before. Like I am Western academically trained. So you know, only read like social scientific studies and only read academic papers. But then about mm, six years ago, I ventured into like Tantra and like these other beliefs in the world, um, not only Eastern philosophies, but also like Mayan or Roman or, you know, uh, I realized like, wow, I am so pigeonholed into what we know in school in the West. And I'm not learning all, like the world is vast and there's so many other beliefs and practices that are as valuable, if not more, than scientific studies. So then I embarked on my own like experiment journey. I tried like everything. I tried everything that I read about that I'm excited about. And so for me, I learned that your sexual forces, which is, you know, it runs throughout your body, but particularly the pelvic area, um, is attached to your root and is directly feeding energy throughout your chakras and up to your head, your brain, through your throat, communication, um, how you're able to convince people and being charismatic. So for me, when I learned that like other philosophies, I find them making a lot of sense, <laughs> you know, for myself, even though there's no scientific findings. But when I watch in person, the people that embrace these philosophies and how, quote unquote, successful their lives are, I'm sold. Hmm. You know, all the academics, a lot, let's, let's not generalize, a lot, not all, <laughs> a lot of the academics that I talk to that study sex don't have sex. <laughs> <laughs> Just like they how most business sex. professors don't have their own businesses. All these sex professors aren't fucking exactly. regularly. <laughs> exactly. They don't have sex. They don't have good sex. Mm -hmm. So uh, so they're not living the life that I want. Um, so for me, I'd rather find inspiration elsewhere. And so when I found these different communities of people that are practicing things that are kind of non-traditional, I get really excited. I try what they do and I feel like it works for me. And I think a lot of people have observed that it works for me. So uh, for me, sexual energy and sexual fulfillment um, have basically boosted every aspect of my life. And I've seen it in other people as well. I think that's why I really wanted you to ha have you on because I feel like you're giving people permission to live their lives the way they want to. And by doing so, especially through sex, which is such an intimate thing, 
yeah, then you're starting to create whatever you want in your life. And you're a perfect example. I mean, now being on this new TV show, which uh, I bet is super fun to be on. And, and, and you're, you're, you can tell through social media, you are your authentic self. It's very powerful. And, you know, I've trained a lot of clients for many years and I get to see into a lot of people's relationships and it just becomes stagnant and people just, you know, I'm just going to be the good wife or the good boyfriend. And I'm just going to be okay with just not really having happiness or pleasure in my life. And I feel like you're liberating a, a lot of people. W what do you say to people listening right now who are in relationships where it is stagnant or they don't even know they want to, the, the partner wants to try something new and they don't know how to bring it up or they think it's going to create a riff. You know, where does one begin? Mm, that's a great question because that is like a million dollar question. You know, um, the sex and relationship industry is billions of dollars. Um, actually I, someone just pitched me the other day and I think it was $52 billion that wow. like the money people spend into like whatever within the industry of sex and relationship. So it is, you know, an important question. Um, now depends on who you ask. Um, even another sex therapist will say a different thing uh, or another sex scholar will say a different thing. For me, it's um, jumping in to the sexual awakening journey together. And that's the space that I create for my clients that are ready to make changes. That's why um, back to the question that Tony had for me, like, what do you do with that guy that has trauma? What I do is I send them to a therapist um, because you're not ready. Mm -hmm. You're not ready to set... Um, sex and relationship goals and to live the life that you want to mm -hmm. to be ready to receive these training and skills to get there when you still have all of this stuff in the back of your head like so typically people come to like coaching when they're already healed um and i'm not saying there's like a healed 100% right because right. like we we grow and evolve all the time but at least it's not like in forefront of your head and your life mm -hmm. um when I work with couples that, that ask me, like, how can I, how can we, like, our sex life is in a rut. How can we change it? <laughs> I told them, do you have at least a year to dedicate to this? And often they're shocked. Like, they think it's like a pill that you can take. And tomorrow, let me wear a lingerie tomorrow. <laughs> and let's go to a hotel nearby. And let's fuck there like an animal. And hopefully we'll find each other attractive again. Doesn't work that way. Um, I think people think it's so easy and so fast. Um, and, you know, sadly, I break that news to a lot of people, is it could be pretty easy if you started your relationship that way. That's why I'm very passionate in teaching younger folks how to live the sexually fulfilling life because it's easier when you start off with the with the skills and the same understanding. But now when I talk to couples that are in their 40s and have been together 15 years, um, how do we get there? Do you have a year? If they're like taking a deep breath and they go, yeah, okay, let's start. Um, and then, you know, I have a lot of questionnaires because I'm still I'm still like a social scientific researcher. So I need to understand what where you're coming from and what's your baseline. Where can we build from here? Just like a personal trainer, like you got to know their baseline. Right. You can't have a body like, you know, who who's ripped? Brent. You can't, <laughs> I can't imagine. <laughs> no, you can't have like a ripped body when you're like super overweight, like next week, right? Like you gotta, you gotta have a plan to get there. So for me, it's the same thing. It's like, okay, so, you know, let's start with questionnaires and see your baselines, like both of you. A lot of times, you know, what I'll find is they are so different. Mm. Are you guys dating? I mean, we go on a couple dates with each other, but no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, Are you guys dating someone? Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Not in like, um, uh, I, I'm more monogamish like you. Okay. Um, but I don't have a monogamish partner at the moment, no. 
Okay. I, I got out of serious relationship a little bit ago and so i just kind of been on the low just kind of hanging out okay well then you guys are at extremely opportunistic point to start off in a very sexually compatible relationship any single person out there congratulations you have the opportunity to get into a relationship unlike any relationship you've ever had before um it's hard. It's it's much harder to like quote unquote fix a really really long term relationship mm-hmm. versus teaching singles how to like get into a relationship that you want. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know, Tony, you said I'm kind of a, a, a monogamish kind of guy, right? I'm gonna tell you right now, there are women that are more sexually awakened mm-hmm. that will understand the philosophy. I know a lot of people like like me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so whenever you feel like you identify outside of the norm, um, don't give up. There are lots of other people like us. It's just like not talked about. Yeah. And to the uh, first question you asked of like, why why do we either sleep with people on the first date or not? A lot of it is because of that. Like some women are not cool with that lifestyle or they're, they're not uh, open to it or they don't know anything about it. There's sort of an ignorance around it or they know about it and they're just not into it, which is which is fine. So, I mean, I want any partner that I'm with to have full understanding if we're going to engage in that way, you know? Yeah, 100%. And I, I think it's hard both ways. Like, mm-hmm. you would think it's easy to find guys that, like, want to fuck other people, but it's not. No, definitely not. It's not. Because when you're in a relationship, there comes this, like, masculinity and the idea attached to ownership. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, oh, I can't, you know, allow myself to see what happens to my wife or partner or spouse, like having sex with other people. I think it takes a lot of like ego shedding and being on like equal playing field in order to engage in this kind of lifestyle. The cool thing that I've learned um, by like just meeting swingers or going to sex parties is that a lot of these people, and I mean, of course there's always toxic people in every community (laughs) in the world. Right. So if you meet one of them, that's just like a bad egg. Um, But a lot of these people are so um, wise Mm -hmm. and open-minded and loving and communicative. Um. So yeah, that's just like that's my thought on that. Cause yeah. sometimes people are like, oh, it's wow, you guys are you guys go to those things. Like that's like what is it like? Is it just a bunch of creeps? I'm like, <laughs> no. Actually, it's a lot of intellectual people. Yeah, I've noticed the same thing. And you said on one of your Love Bites episodes that you can't, well, maybe not you can't, but in the like polyamory world, you have a very low amount of narcissists. So it's almost impossible to be a narcissist and be <laughs> open relating or be polyamorous because it takes so much self-awareness and like you said, ego shedding, which you really can't do as a narcissist. When people think if you're polyamorous, you probably are a narcissist because you're just worried about like yourself and you just want to fuck a bunch. And and I thought that was really fascinating. Like it does take a level of awareness and self-awareness to engage in something like that. I completely agree. Um, do you do you find yourself relate relating more of like the monogamish philosophy or like polyamory? It's a good question. I've I was in a polyamorous relationship when I was like 20, 21, but we didn't know anything about polyamory. We read one of the books, more than two, I think it was called, and we were like, yeah. we, we got this, and it was a just absolute dumpster fire. So, but that was the training ground, right? Like that's how you learn how to deal with like the jealousy and the emotions because it's an absolute, you know, dumpster fire. But um, I think I relate more with monogamish. I like having the stability of one person. Mm -hmm. I like, I like, I like that feeling of safety, Um, but I also like to experience. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, same. I understand exactly what you're saying. What about you, Brent? Have you ever thought about being in a non-traditional relationship type? 
Yeah, I think so. I think monogamish sounds good, but I think it really depends on the person I meet and where I'm at. But I want to be with a person who's open to having those conversations as time goes on. Because to say that, okay, we're together and we're never going to open something is ridiculous. I think it should be able to be a conversation you can have throughout the relationship mm-hmm. and make new agreements and set new boundaries. Because you as individuals change and maybe, yeah, like – you know, if you've been with somebody for 30 years and you're like, I love you, we have the best time, we have family, but like, we kind of want to fuck other people. I imagine if you're actually in a loving relationship and you really care about each other and communicate well, why wouldn't you want the other person to go have a good time, right? And they come back and they feel good and they'll probably want to fuck you even better, right? So it just, to me, makes a lot of sense, especially for longer term relationships. Mm-hmm. You know, you've been, you know, you're Word. in it for like a couple years. Yeah, you're like it's fun and new, but five, ten years, twenty years in, or like, you know, you're you're in your fifties now. It's like, of course, we're mature adults. We love each other. We've been through a hell of shit together for twenty years. Let's yeah, let's like hook up with some other people. Preach, bro. <laughs> Preach. I'm. I feel the same way. You know, even like as a woman, I think there's a lot of, um apprehension towards aging um because you know like the media attach your whole value to being young and have perky tits and you know being pretty so let's say you're in your 50s like you're not gonna have the body or the skin or the whatever as when you were in your 20s or 30s now I think it's harder for women to accept that type of proposition that you just explained because a lot of us attach our value to um, whether or not we still look desirable and we don't believe as a collective, we don't believe in our 50s that we would be sexually desirable, which is false. So for me, it's like, when I work with women and younger women, I I try to help them understand that pleasure is yours. Your body is yours. When you have sex with someone, it's not like someone's something is being done to you. Um, Because sometimes I'll have a girl who's like, oh, I make him wait for three months and everyone's like, hell yeah, bitch. Yeah. (laughs) Right. I'm like, why? And they're like, well, because I don't want them to see me as easy. So it's still about them. It's not about you. Mm-hmm. Like, when is it ever about you? You choose to do things because you want to and how you want to do it. If you were sexually restrained model, right? If you subscribe to that and, oh, I need the really strong emotional connection before enjoying sex with this guy. Hell yeah, do it. Like, wait three months. But the fact that that girl answered that way, that like, I don't want them to see me as easy. Like that tells me you're still insecure. That tells me that you're still, you still have so much work to work on in terms of your own self-esteem. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I work with young women, I work from the very, like, from the very beginning of like, who are you sexually? Or who are you as a person? You know, what are some of your qualities? What are some, what, what's your personality type? People love saying, oh, I'm ENFJ, INTP, but do you truly know what those means and how it reflects in society, in interactions with friends, with lovers? Um, so those things I, I find very passionate to talk about because I want to empower as many women as possible to take pleasure by the balls. Like just <laughs> by the young, you know, engage in it based on what you want to do and not mm-hmm. how they think of you. And that would just, I'm just going to end my rant right there. <laughs> I, that was a beautiful rant. I love that. And I, I think there's, I guess kind of on that topic is like the sexual liberation and, and you mentioned energy cultivation, like cultivating your sexual energy. And I think for, for on the masculine side, there's so much literature around how to do that. Like the, the how, like semen retention, microcosmic orbit, like circulating the energy. But I don't know, like what can women do for sexual energy cultivation? Lots of things. Um, But here are, let's say, here are three things that I really like to do. Mm -hmm. And I know works best because I've done it for now five years. Um, The first one is sexual meditation. Um, I started off with just meditating 
in general, like because I was going through very difficult time in my life and I was trying to find a method that helps calm me down and make me feel centered. So I started meditating and then I stumble upon the idea of sexual meditation um, while I was studying Tantra and I realized how powerful it is because not only that the Eastern philosophies and studies and literature talks about it, the Western does as well. And when you know something so powerful is when the West is also like, dude, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna tap into that, right? Um, kind of like how the West uh, uses certain substance to create painkillers and so on and so on, you know? <laughs> um, so with sexual meditation, there is um, an experiment conducted by University of British Columbia. And actually not just one, like a series of ex experiments with different populations. And they look at the effects of sexual meditation and just mindfulness within the sexual realm. And they found immense findings about sexual meditation and sexual mindfulness and how in one of their studies, they look at women who had cancer, who reported like have zero sexual desire, just feel nothing down there, don't want to have sex. Um, and they enroll in this program and they um, did it for a while. And then afterwards they were measured again and they found that these women had significant increase in sexual desire as well as overall fe um, good feeling about their sexual well-being. So to me, when there is an Eastern thing that works, that I know works, but also has proof from the Western side, it's like a combo, you know? Mm -hmm. It's like a bukkake of research. <laughs> <laughs> so what it, what it's just sexual meditation all over my face. So I'm like, <laughs> I gotta do this, you know? And so I just started doing it and I've done it every day, at least five minutes for the last many, many years. And I find that it works for me in cultivating sexual energy and feeling sexy and showing up with a lot of energy like you guys can probably feel. Mm -hmm. And we can feel it through the medium of television. But how do we sexually meditate? So you can do it by yourself quietly or you can go to my YouTube and I have just free guided sexual meditation. Um, of course, that one's easier because you're listening to me and I'm guiding you and you just have to stay focused and think about the things I'm telling you to think about. Nice. Um, and it's a five minute one and a 10 minute one. Um, and if you search like Love Bites by Dr. Tara on YouTube, you'll find it. But you can also do it by yourself if you don't like guided meditation. You can do it quietly. Sexual meditation is just like a regular meditation, but it focuses on sexual thoughts, sexual thoughts, feelings, and sensations. So if you want to focus on thoughts, perhaps think of the time where you had sex and it was very sexually invigorating and you had an amazing time and it was very pleasurable and orgasmic. So think of that as you meditate. Um, if you want to just focus on that, you can just do that. But you can also combine like touch. So start, you know, massaging your nipples, massaging your pelvic area, massaging inner thighs, massaging your penis, like whatever that is arousing for you. Um, a lot of times my male clients will have an erection when they do sexual meditation because that's the physical response to know that it works. <laughs> Um, and, uh, yeah. And sometimes they end up, you know, masturbating afterwards or not. Like that's kind of up to you. Um, you can edge, which is a practice I also recommend. And so sexual meditation would be the first one. And then what's the, the other? second one? Yeah. yeah. Questions? Nope. Just silent in the class. <laughs> <laughs> We're just taking notes. Just the second, so sexual meditation is the first one. The second one would be um, positive sexual affirmations, which I do through like talking to myself positively, but also journaling. And I'll write things like, you know, I love my body. I love my pussy. Um, just whatever, like, you know, my um, titties look great. 
<laughs> whatever I feel that day that's like spontaneous, I'll just write it down. I don't plan for it. I don't think too much about it. It's like free writing. And I just write it down. Um, and then when I get ready, then I'll just look at myself and say the same thing. Uh, for me, there's a lot of positive psychology research to prove that positive self-talk works. Same with you guys look like you're athletes. Um, same within um, uh, exercise science research. There's a lot of visualization research that talks about before you go into the game, we want you to visualize. So it's the same thing. So that's the second thing I do. And then the third thing is I would say uh, for women is daily masturbation or regular masturbation. And that could be like two or three times a week if that's what you prefer. For me, giving myself pleasure um, enhances my sexual self-esteem as well as boost my mood which allows me to have this kind of energy when I interact with other people. So yeah, those are my three um, tips. I love it. Beautiful. Should women have orgasms every time they masturbate? Or like men with edging helps cultivate more energy. Is it better for women to complete? I think that our bodies are slightly different in a way that I think it's better for women to mm -hmm. orgasm than edge. Lucky. Um, because we can have multiple orgasms due to the different systems that we have. Like we can have clitoral orgasm, vaginal orgasm, like multiple orgasms at a time versus a man um, can ejaculate once and then have like, you know, the period where they rest and they can come back. But that's just a much more time-consuming process than a woman. So to me, don't be stingy about your orgasms because you can come multiple times. Yeah, and I imagine if you practice coming, it will be easier within sex to let yourself just let it go. 100%. That's how like I was able to come vaginally is because I like practice on my own, right? Basically, it's like a practice, but... Mm -hmm. I don't see it that way. What's some of the other interesting research you've come across in your years of, you know, studying and teaching? I mean, I, I'm so fascinated about that. Yeah. The, God, there's just so many. Um, but one that came to my mind immediately because I was just talking about this is um, people often shame people with certain fetishes um, or like beat that the people that are into BDSM saying that they must have like terrible childhood, traumatic childhood, sexually assaulted. Um, but there isn't a significant correlation between people who are into that lifestyle and having had like traumatic experience. And when I say it, they're like, no, 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 no. Like there, there must be. Like why would anyone be into this? I'm like, sometimes humans develop um, intense preference on things on their own, like through life experience. For example, I have an intense preference when it comes to um, like fingering or having like basically getting fingered, right? Uh, now, oh my God, was I like sexually assaulted when I was like, you know, 10 and someone fingered me? No, <laughs> you know, not... None of that happened. None of the people who have intense preference and in anything have had, you know, anything. Or Even if it did, they heal from it. But most of them didn't have anything like that. Plus, the research also found there's no significant correlation between these things. So it's still like a cultural narrative, I think, because people who fit in the norm are too afraid to accept other people. Mm -hmm. You know, just because someone's into feet, like why does this person, why is this person inferior to you? Do you feel like social media is kind of creating a suppression on some people's sexuality with all these sound bites and clips telling people to be a certain way or women shouldn't be like this? I imagine if I was like a 19 year old girl and you see all these clips or, or brainwashing guys to think certain ways about women or even women to think certain ways about guys? I mean, do you see that with the young population that you're coming to your class? Yeah, I think yes and no. Um, half of it is it depends on what creators they follow. Yeah. You know, they follow me or like uh, my other friends that are inclusive and realistic. 
um, sex educators, uh, then it could be helpful because it could normalize talking about sex in a positive way with your friends, your partner, your family. Uh, but there are a lot of very misguided content creators that one don't have the credentials, but two, because I'm not always about credentials. Like some people are so smart and wise on their own. Um, but two, there's also a lot of people that are trying to, um, teach young people certain ideologies in order to just serve their financial um, gains without any actual um, desire to help anyone. So they will just say the most controversial thing like, dude, like, you know, don't fuck with that bitch if she has like a body count over five. Like, you know, when when you do those things, you're saying those things, trying to be controversial, trying to get more followers, more like whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, People who are awake can tell that that's bullshit. But now we live in the world where a lot of people are not awake yet. Um, So I think my mission is to wake people up, but also, you know, to partner with people like you guys to help more people to wake up. So, yeah, thank you so much for having me on this podcast. Um, It's an honor. Preach it, Dr. Tara. But before we go, we should play Hot or Not. Hot or Not? Hot or okay. Not. Quick round. Lightning round. Hot or Not? Dr. Tara, anal. Hot. <laughs> but slow, slow. <laughs> slow anal is hot. Okay. Mm, cunnilingus. Super hot. <laughs> sex parties. Hot. Mm, public sex. Hot. I think everything's going to be hot. <laughs> Not everything. Not everything. I think people people often say that, like, oh, you throw anything to her, she will say hot. What's not Interestingly, hot? Interestingly. Okay, not hot. Spitting. Oh. Do you guys think spitting's hot? It's not my cup of tea. I'm into it. <laughs> yeah. I Like spitting into someone's everyone mouth? everyone I know is into it. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. Not too much. Yeah. Not overkill. Just like a little bit. <laughs> yeah, not, you don't want to overkill it. No, I don't, only if she's into it. Yeah. Yeah. There's like a whole spit porn genre. No, I'm not that into where it's it. Like it's not like a fetish. lot of spit. No, like, okay. Now that's too much. That's weird. <laughs> There's this girl I know in LA. She has a uh, spit only fans. Really? She makes so much money monthly. Yeah. Wow. Just spitting things out. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not into that. I don't think it's hot, but no shame. No shame for people who are into it. Yeah. Never, we'll never, another we'll never. I don't shame. think it's hot. What's another? Okay. Thing? Another not hot is poop. No, yeah, 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 yeah. Scat. Yeah. Uh, what about piss? Can be hot. <laughs> All right. Yeah. No. No. No shame here. Or get. Do you have? Depends on who's piss and how much water they've drank. I guess. <laughs> yeah. Are they hydrated? That's question number one. Hon- <laughs> yeah. Honestly, there's so many things I probably could be open to. I just so I can never really say like you never know right person right time mm-hmm. yeah you never know well Bukaki, so Brent, is that hot? this weekend you should get pissed on to see if you like it or not all right we're making it happen you have homework that's yeah, that's, that's homework from right. from the professor i'll report back you gotta get pissed <laughs> yeah yeah there's that's always a, that's, what I, that's the to do from my session yeah, yeah. Okay. next that's episode we're gonna do quite a bit of homework and we'll 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 delve divulge it to you our professor mm-hmm. all right there you go real quick what are three things for two 2024 you think will be on the hot list three things and then we'll we'll let you go back to in in our society just you just think that you think or you know what will be the yeah coming like the next big kinks yeah just i don't know what do you see (laughs) trending for 2024 that will be the three hot things like you said spitting is becoming popular right (laughs) (laughs) where should we invest Um, invest in Okay, three big like sex and relationship trends 2024. I see. I think number one, more people will be interested in and engaging in monogamish. Um, number two, I think more people will want to explore sex parties. Um, and number three, I think, you know, this has been on a menu for a while, but it's just been uh, um, concentrated in like a lot of like rap music and just pop music recently. I think pe- a lot more people will be eating ass. I there's definitely a rise of ass eating. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And there's play parties every weekend here in Austin. It's it's a it's popular. Oh yeah. yeah. Next time I'm there, I'm definitely going. Yeah. There's there's plenty. We know all the hosts. Um nice. Dr. Tara, thank you so much for coming. That was 
a super fun, super insightful episode. Um, where can people find you? Where can people listen and learn more about their own sexual enlightenment? Yes, you can find anything about me on my website. That's lovebites.co, L-U-V-B-I-T-E-S dot C-O, lovebites.co. Everything is on there. Beautiful. Awesome. We appreciate you so much. Thank you. Have a wonderful day and uh, keep kicking ass on that show. All right. Class oh. is dismissed. Have an orgasmic day. <laughs> Bye. Orgasmic Bye. Day. Bye. Bye. 